0: So you had a question on the Q and A last night?
1: I did. He, he really. Uh, I I gotta like research off like his answer is gonna take me like uh, weeks to to study all the terms on uh, that he went yeah.
0: through. Yeah. yeah, it's like he had it planned that way. It'll keep it on, keep it on your mind.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it will definitely give uh, me something to chew on for a while. It's
2: like. Yep. Let's see, I oh, sorry uh, meditation meetup in one hour replicate see I still don't get is
1: the uh how you have uh, non symbolic thinking without the if you're using oh, the mirror right mind, how do you. Yeah. How do you still, I mean, he went. Through, he said, "You you don't want the non-symbolic," but it's like,
0: well, well, wait. no. That's is that what he said? Uh, well, somewhere in the
1: near the end, he said something about that because I was, I kept thinking that the narrative mind to me is like, you know, the non-symbolic, uh, and then I mean, that's like the whole Finder's course is.
0: Uh, well, you know. yeah. So, one thing to bear in mind about the Finder's course is that. Um, Jeffrey uses the term non-symbolic not because it's accurate, uh, but because it's um, doesn't no, it's offend secular. anyone. Yeah, it doesn't offend anyone.
1: Yeah, but still, there's uh, when when everybody's talking, they're sort of talking about turning off that the narrative mind. It seems to me, but
0: right. So so what's going on there? And I don't know. I mean, you 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 do uh, some pretty heavy duty meditation, so I'm sure you've had this, this experience that um you're meditating and you realize that uh thinking is happening but there isn't there aren't any words it's just thinking like you can tell that you're thinking and i mean there are images come up and you know i you 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 experience these ideas coming up but they're not verbalized and they're That's they're nice. pretty background like it's not like they're loud it's not like they're really up in the foreground, like really, really in your face, but they're there in the background.
1: You mean like the Sinjin's, uh, Young's do nothing thing or? Uh,
0: not so much that, although, although you can do that on this and, yeah. and, and it can quiet it down. Cause it's not, it doesn't have to be happening. It, like you can get it to the point where, where that isn't happening much. Yeah. Um and really all that's happening is some very, very uh nonverbal uh, intentions are coming up and those are what's directing your meditation. And so really all you're doing is just perceiving. You're just there perceiving and you're not there isn't a lot of thinking going on. But perceiving
1: the yeah, you know, the metacognitive uh awareness.
0: Right. Yeah, but the thinking does the, it even if you're like, you know, for those of us who have fairly quiet internal minds, um it's not the case that no thinking is happening just because there are no words. What's actually happening is that the narration isn't happening anymore. Now there's a, there's a tendency to make the mistake of thinking that means we're talking about the narrating mind.
2: Right.
0: Um, but that's not what it means. What it means is that um, so, so the, the narrating mind is actually called what it's called because we, because people thought originally that it was the thing that was talking, right? But it's not, the, the, the thing that we mean by the narrating mind is not the thing that's talking. The thing that's talking is, is, the, is the linguistic verbalization part of the mind. And the linguistic verbalization part of the mind can verbalize anything, not just what the narrating mind is thinking. Do you see? So, so like you can be having thoughts that are not narrating mind thoughts, and those can still be verbalized, and you can still hear them as, as words. Um, of course, if you're, if you if you've got a very quiet verbalization mind, then that doesn't happen. You have you think the thought, but the thought isn't verbalized. Um, so pretty much any thinking that you do in principle can be verbalized. Like when you, for example, when you sit and meditate, um, you know, a beginning meditator, say in stage three or four, might be sitting there thinking, oh, I and, and and literally the these words are are happening in the head. Oh, I need to get my attention back on the breath. Oh, I'm distracted oh, I seem to be thinking about this thing. I should, I should notice that, this, you know, so like all of these verbal thoughts, all of this discussion, internal discussion is happening about the meditation process, but that's really not the narrating mind. That's, that's, the, that's verbalization of what you are thinking. The narrating mind that Chula Dasa was talking about is a very specific thing. It's the thing that, that pieces together your idea of, of where you are in the world. Um, and when you're narrating mind stops, and it does happen, when you're narrating mind stops, you literally don't know where you are. You don't remember what's happening. You don't know what's coming. You're just present. And that can either be ex- an extremely frightening experience. And I know people who have that experience sometimes and, and find it frightening. Or it can be a very wonderful experience because you're just like there and everything is just there. You know. So, so which it is depends on you. But that's, that is what it feels like to have the narrating mind you're just like there's nothing like you you, when you look at something it doesn't even it isn't even a thing
1: you know i know yeah i when i hit those spaces now now i used to hit those when i was younger you know but now when i hit them it's like you're it's you you like it's like you're i don't want to say scared but you're you know it's like you run back for cover you know back in back in. like you say oh i'm doing you know you, you point out you're doing Yeah, I'm going to think about that without narrating.
0: Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that there, there is still thinking that can go on without forming a narrative, like, like, you know, I think you can still have like, you know, very general thoughts going on that, that aren't of that form. And, and, and that's, that can produce some really interesting results when, when the results come up in consciousness. But um, but it certainly isn't, I think, the, the, you know, it certainly isn't my normal day to day experience. My normal day to day experience has uh, a lot of concepts in it. Anyway, uh, that was
2: a fun way to start. Sam, we haven't seen you in a while. How are you doing? Doing well.
3: Um, yeah, there's not much to report. I just kind of came to reconnect, I've uh, been sort of MIA, I guess. Mm-hmm. I haven't really been thinking too much about, uh, I guess, meditation, other than just doing it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's nice. So, don't have really much to report, just m- mainly came to listen, so.
0: Yay, thanks for
2: coming, it's good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. So, uh, anybody want to start?
4: Um, Yeah, I would like to start then. Please, no one wants to go. Um, I actually got two questions, but that might be a bit too much for um, for now. So uh, I'll just start with one. Uh, It's actually about more uh, about dreaming and meditation. Um, Because what I notice is my dreams are getting more vivid um, over time. And I even had a lucid dream in the first time of my life, uh, I think one and a half weeks ago, which was kind of cool. Also weird. Um, But what happened is um, like last night, yesterday I was practicing uh, two times for 50 minutes and um in those 50 minutes uh, i was 30 minutes um in stage 8 approximately um and then i had this uh last night i had this very vivid dream um which was a bit disturbing so today i woke up a little bit like there was a sadness hmm. and i was just disturbed and then my practice uh Got disturbed as well. So I got this like, um, yeah, like a dip in mindfulness due to dreams. And this is happening like more often. Uh, yeah. And I don't know if if I should just like deal with it or it's more like, um,
0: yeah. So you had an experience a couple of weeks ago that seemed like it was a pretty big shift, right? Mm hmm. And that's, is that still the case? uh yeah okay so one of the things that happens after a shift like that is that you start to uh you start to decondition like you you have old conditioning that's been sitting around and um and it's not really conducive to your current life and but it's still there and so and it'll come up uh and one of the ways it comes up is in dreams and so uh it's not what you're experiencing is not Really deeply surprising to me and you shouldn't worry about it. I don't think I mean, you know See if if it keeps on going for a couple months, but but Mm -hmm. uh, in in the short term uh, What I would suggest is that uh, what you're experiencing is probably uh, Good, it's probably like if you if you look at um, I Don't know how much this is talked about in the Theravadan presentation on on stream entry, but in the in the uh, in the Tibetan uh, presentation on stream entry, they basically talk about five paths. And stream entry is the third path. And the path after stream entry is called Gomlam, the path of meditation. And that sounds like it means that you just sit around and meditate all the time. But actually what it means is that you sit around and, uh, or not even sit around, but just in your daily life, Um, All of the conditioning that you have that has that you've developed over your lifetime and you know for the tibetan terms over many lifetimes in the past I won't get into that but um, but all of that conditioning is still there and um, And you now have the ability to access it in a way that you didn't before and That's sort of good news and bad news, right? Because some of the conditioning can be pretty awful, right? Like you can have stuff in there. That's like, oh, whoa I didn't know I had that in there and and that can be really disturbing so um, so, I mean, the the first thing to say about it is, like, when that happens, don't be shocked and don't feel like it's a big problem. It's not a big problem. It's just – it's it's a normal thing that happens. It may be challenging, but um, but you're now in a place where it's probably pretty easy to just sort of be okay with it. Like, you know, okay, this really disturbing thing happened. Isn't that interesting? Rather than, oh, my God, this really disturbing thing happened. So, you know, as long as you can keep, keep your uh, – your, your even keel on that, it's okay. And what you'll find is that, is that it's pretty, it'll, it'll, you'll have a lot of bumps for a while and it'll tend to smooth out and, and, and don't be discouraged by that. It's, 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 it's really okay. Um, you, you, your relationship to these experiences will change over time and you'll start to get more of a handle on it as time goes by. So.
4: Hmm. All right. Yeah. Great. Oh, <laughs> that's good news yeah i was um yeah yeah i mean
0: you know that doesn't mean that 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 you know if you have some exciting thing happen in your dream you shouldn't you know there's there's you should just dismiss it as but it, it's it's actually mostly good it's a pure it's basically it's it's similar to a stage seven purification
4: yeah oh, right. yeah it feels after i meditate after a dream mm-hmm. like a very vivid dream, it feels like a purification it feels like that i'm dreaming um or that i'm like dealing with with like uh strong emotions Mm -hmm. um so my mind is just more scattered and stuff like that yeah yeah that's
0: that's that's really not too surprising and and you know Hmm. in all likelihood you'll find that over the course of some time that that just stabilizes again and you know the fact that you're getting into stage seven at the beginning, and then and then it kind of goes wonky, is actually another indication that that this is a purification, because uh, or stage eight, you said. So so uh, so you have the stability, and things get quiet, and then something comes up, right? That's a classic symptom of a purification.
5: Mm.
4: All right. Okay. <laughs> right. Thanks. Sure. Yeah, maybe others can go first. I got another question, but if others want to go.
0: Um yeah. Sure. I think everybody wants to hear your question. <laughs> All right.
4: Um yeah, um my second question is uh also about a stage eight experience. Um Because what sometimes happens, and I'm like, well, it's just all, it's a bit weird, like a lot of it. So, um, what I mainly do in stage eight is uh, choiceless attention. So, um, I'm just very aware of everything and my uh, attention is like my awareness. That's a bit how it feels. Um, And, um, yeah, I just like, notice everything um but what also happens during that period is uh sometimes i get like a massive like pressure and it feels like i'm fainting almost mm. um and it feels i thought maybe it was uh great three pity like it's also like wave light, so it's like like these waves like whoa and then whoa and feel sometimes that i'm like like really fainting. And what also happened uh, one time during the period is um uh I was really f- uh focused on the breath during choices attention one time and um um there were like three times um uh like seconds missing. So what happened was is I was focused on the breath and then there was like a period of like one or two seconds missing, then the breath came back and it happened again, back and again, like three times like that. And that was also weird. Um, don't know so,
0: what it all is, but maybe. So how did you know that the breath was missing?
4: Um, I think afterwards.
0: Like, okay. So in other words, after it happened, you realized the time had passed and that you were not aware of anything. Were you aware of anything, or just not aware of the breath? Um, it felt like nothing. Right. So that sounds like a cessation. Mm. Um, and that's something that that happens. It's it's uh, you know in, in some in some circles it's highly sought after. So. <laughs> uh, you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so what you experienced was a cessation. If you, if you have a cessation, and then afterwards it's just like, oh, you know, some, some time is missing, then it's just a cessation. Sometimes a cessation is followed by a fruition. And so when a cessation is followed by a fruition, that's like kind of awesome. But when it's not followed by a fruition, it's not bad. It's just one of those things that happens in meditation. So like if you talk to Nick Grabovac, he has cessations, he calls them micro cessations. He'll have cessations that last well under a second, you know, over and over and over again. Um, and you know, to the point where it almost feels like reality is turning into Swiss cheese, um, but you know, so, so I'm not really the right person to ask about that because that's my sole experience of that is, is one time when it might've happened, but I don't really know. And so that's not a very good guide to go by, but Nick, Nick is the guy to talk to about that.
4: Mm. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah. Uh, and then, oh,
0: the the wave like thing that does sound like wave like pity, yeah.
4: Uh, yeah, then I'm, I'll just like handle it like everything else. Um. But the only thing I I, kn- I know about cessations, but um. The the thing that stood out was that it happened like three times, so that yep. was a bit weird. So, um, yeah, that's I how it goes.
3: Experience like almost exactly like that um a long long time ago um and i chalk it up to be like like a P type thing i'm like i'm not really like one to put things on progress of insight map or anything but uh people can have like a p events where there's something missing and i think it's a uh, like it depends on what happened before and after like was your mind state different in some way like did you notice a difference a a very noticeable difference in the before and after
4: um not really ex because um it was already in like stage eight territory so i um my awareness was very broad and um yeah so uh it kept on like going that way. So not, not a massive, uh, change.
0: No. I mean, you might, um, Nick says that he can intend to create a, to have that happen. So he sets an intention for that to happen and then it happens. You could play around with that and see if that's true for you as well. Hmm. Um, and the other thing that Chuladasa talks about with, with cessations is when you have them, um, like start to notice what's happening right before and start to notice what's happening right afterwards and that can be an insight practice um okay cool yeah
6: i think we have a a a volunteer for next (laughs) (laughs) it's more to to give an answer to to john i would say that if you if you feel like you're gonna faint it's becoming too much. It's not a bad thing to, to take a big breath. You know, it's not uh, not going to fail meditation or or anything because you're just taking a big breath because you feel like you're going to faint. That's not what's supposed to happen. You're not supposed to just faint on on the floor. And um, and that's what, uh, what I wanted to say. Good point. Safety should not be compromised or just the idea of getting to a latest stage where you fainted and you're somewhere else. And um, and also I would say that this uh, micro points missing, well, you said three times, was it in a row, like in one second? Tuck, tuck, tuck.
4: Um, uh, yeah. So it was like, I think like one or two seconds like missing, then the bread was there again for like, one or two seconds then missing one or two seconds again and then yeah another time missing yeah
6: because i also have this type of uh, of missing thing when i practiced uh, not now not too much anymore but when i practiced a lot in stage seven i had these moments where i was zooming in zooming in and then i didn't want to zoom in anymore because i knew already after some time what was going to happen and i didn't like this and then my mind kept zooming in and then like, a, like a drums, like a lot of moments missing and suddenly pulling out and having fear everywhere, only mm-hmm. fear in awareness, in my attention, not being able to, to, to feel what was in these deeper things, not, not be able to make sense of, this, uh, of these spaces where there was nothing. And... Uh, how I dealt with this? Well, there was actually nothing to do. Just uh, continue to practice, and the best thing that you could do, I think, is to try to to use that as a as a new way of seeing. Not necessarily give a meaning to this, but just a, a new way of seeing. Uh, when I got these experiences, I just realized, oh, it is possible to experience gap in reality, and that's just the way it is. And I just updated my my model, I would say.
0: Okay. Sure, also has this theory that what you're talking about, Jean-François, that that um, that it's actually when the, uh, the so if you think about perceptions as having a certain frequency, and then you think about awareness as having a certain frequency, um, if you line those up just right, then then what's going to happen is that the perceptions will be happening when the awareness isn't present, and so. Every time you have a perception, there won't be anything there to perceive it, and then every time you have something there to perceive it, there's nothing there to perceive. And so you get this feeling, and, and if it's, if it's a little bit off, then you get this feeling like you were describing
6: of like you know um, uh, this is this is exactly my feeling. This was my my feeling from the very first time. The first time it happened, I felt like I, like I had heard a helicopter doing yeah. And I also, I also thought about, you know, when you take your camera and you take a shot of a an helicopter yep. and the, frequent, the frame rate is uh, in sync yeah. with the blades. Right. And you can see the, the blades almost not moving. This is what I thought the first time.
0: Yeah. And you think, how is the helicopter staying up?
6: Yeah. <laughs> kind of the same but, thing.
0: But
4: um, one thing on this, because I also had that experience when I was zooming in. And it was more like uh, when I was really, really paying attention to the breath. And then I had these, like, really, um, yeah, that drum drum feeling, like, in the breath, that it was, like, just very rapid uh, moments that you noticed. Uh, and then it spread over my whole body. But this was different, because this time, I wasn't zoomed in. I was actually more zoomed out. So, uh, I was more, like, uh, aware of a lot more things. And the moments I didn't perceive the breath um, were longer than uh, the moments in, uh, in, during that time.
6: And then it sounds really different. Because it was indeed for me really when I was, I had the uh, awareness was almost collapsed and my attention was really, really refined. But what you're talking about is almost like, almost into jana territory where the attention has disappeared and you're just in awareness. Mm-hmm. And then awareness itself disappears. So that sounds indeed different.
0: Yeah, I mean, it could, it could be the, the the last of the formless jhanas, right? I'm not an expert in formless jhanas, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nor I, but yeah. I mean, so it's uh, the last of the formless jhanas. Uh, Chuladasa has mentioned that it does feel a little bit like a cessation, but they're actually two different things, and I wasn't really clear on what the distinction is, so I'm not gonna try and tell you. Um, <laughs>
4: Okay. Yeah. It's all very uh vague and abstract. Yeah. Bottom line it's
0: fun times, right?
4: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Sure.
0: Okay, who wants to go next?
5: I'll go if nobody else is. Ago. Yeah. Um last week we talked about uh the interval bell and I was trying to experiment with not using it for the past week and I think that was productive because um uh well the first the first day I had a strong urge to make sure that my My bell was going to go off at the end. And I kept telling myself, I don't know if I I turned it on correctly, even though I double checked it twice. Uh, But uh, I stayed with it. And actually, it was kind of cool because it was uh, similar to what happened to you uh, last week, where I was able to do within maybe like five seconds, I was able to say, I think the bell is going to go off now. And I was able to, I guess my body's used to it or something because I was thinking, oh, well, I don't, I think the bell, it's only been maybe 45 minutes and then, Went then a little bit later. Oh, I think there's only about ten minutes. Then oh, I think there's only about five. Now I think there's only about one minute left. And I think by the time I'm done with ten breaths, it will be uh, the bell will go off. And it was like a few seconds later, the bell went off. So um, that was kind of cool. It wasn't really focusing on meditation practice. I was kind of distracting myself. Like I bet I could tell when the when the bell's going to go off. So it wasn't really a practice thing. Um, so that's been, uh, I haven't been using the intervals for the week and uh, it has been fine. Um, the other thing I've been dealing with is uh, strong dullness has been uh, making a return and it's been starting earlier and earlier to the point where um, used to be around the time that I got to counting 10 breaths after the four step um, transition that that dullness would come in. But now like almost as soon as I sit in the chair, or even before I go into the room, or actually when I get into the room, I can start to feel the dullness kind of coming on. So um, I've been working with uh, examining and observing it. Uh, and at first, I was getting frustrated because I felt like it was ruining ruining my meditation practice. Um, but then I I think I'm getting better at noticing it earlier. And the past couple of days, I meditated at at either late at night or early in the morning, I expect it to be very 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 dull and it wasn't really close to to even as bad as the previous um, part of the week so uh, yeah I just realized that I'm probably that's probably some progress there in terms of calming the mind down um, to to reach that's why that dullness is happening right uh, so I've been working with that
0: yep yeah um, so when you're working with it, do you find that you're able to uncalm the mind down or is it more just like you're resisting further calming
5: um sometimes i'm most of the time i think it's been been progressing to to energizing the mind a little bit i'm starting to i wasn't really getting before i wasn't really understanding the uh, focusing my attention too hard where dullness starts to come in versus uh paying attention to peripheral, not paying attention, but uh, accepting the peripheral awareness and uh, becoming distracted if I'm going too much in the other direction. And I think I'm starting to understand that a little bit better. And it seems like when I, when I focus on kind of the following uh, exercise stage three following or stage four following um, the dullness almost comes back almost immediately. Yeah. Uh, So either I'm, focusing too much when I'm doing the following exercise or, or I'm not sure why that. So
0: one thing to say about that is that it's not that you're focusing too much because actually what you want is to, is to have your attention exclusively on the object, which would be focusing as much as possible. Right. Um, but it's not really focusing. It's, it's having your attention be stable. And part of the problem is when you think of it as focusing, then there's this idea that you're trying to shrink down. Um, And so there's a natural tendency. You actually may find yourself forming an intention that what's going on in awareness should go away. And that's not what you're good. That's not what you're shooting for. Um, When you have strong, stable attention, what's in awareness is still an awareness. It's still there. It's just not disturbing you at all. Um, And so, uh, so you might see if there's an intention to shut that out, because if there is, then letting go of that intention could be helpful. Um, and then, uh, I was going to say something about what you said earlier. Oh yeah. About the timer. Um, yeah. I mean, as you, as you, as you said, when you were talking about that, that noticing that, you know, like, like keeping track of the time is, uh, you know, you, you can make a game of it and that's, that's like one way for it to be a distraction. Another way that it can be a distraction is just that you're wondering whether the time is up yet and that becomes a distraction. And so. Um, one of the things that you can do that I found really beneficial is whenever you have that feeling of, um, is the bell about to go off, try to develop just like, you know, if, it, if, it, if it distracts you enough that it's worth actually putting a little bit of, you know, mental energy into it, it doesn't distract you, just let it go. But if it distracts you enough to put a little mental energy into it, then just try to have, you know, ask yourself the question, would it be okay if the timer wasn't going to go off when I think it is? And if the answer to that question is yes, then you can just relax because it's fine. You're just going to keep sitting until the timer goes off. And, you know, if the timer, if you wind up like, you know, if the timer doesn't go off for three hours because like you screwed up or something, well, you know, either somebody's going to come and disturb you because you've been sitting for too long or, you know, you're going to be late for work that morning and you'll have to apologize. And you just like accept all of those possible outcomes, like each one of them, Just, just be okay with that possible outcome. And then you can sit with great serenity because you're no longer concerned that something is going to go wrong.
5: Thanks. Uh, yeah, it seemed um, just the first day. It was kind of like that because I, I don't know, probably because I was messing with settings and I was kind of yeah. thinking about it. Um, yeah, but I, 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 at times I do uh, get an impatience arising moment and usually I'm able to let it go nowadays. Um, sometimes it's more like, well, I don't really want to meditate, so I want to get up because I'm hungry or i got things to do. And then it's just a matter of, no, nope, stay. <laughs> Whatever you think can just stay. Um, so I've, I've been dealing with that a little bit this week, especially with dullness because it kind of, I get this frustration. <clears throat> oh, it's ruining. Oh, I can't meditate now because dullness is keeping coming back. So, yeah. um, So just accepting that and dealing with that um the one other thing i wanted to mention that actually kind of came up uh, based on what uh john was saying um was i think i'm starting to have maybe insights into impermanence more because i keep getting these flashes of well this is going to end someday and and family members i'm like oh they're not going to be around you know i mean it's something that i've it's it's something you kind of know already and maybe think about as your, maybe like parents get older or something like that, but it's been kind of returning more and it's becoming more, feels like it's more real rather than a theory um, and I can apply it to anything and I don't know if I'm just looking into it too much or if something else is going on, but just kind of like seeing yeah. the end, seeing something and seeing the end of it at the same time.
0: yeah. So you're having you're having um, not super normal, but just sort of ordinary and very valuable insights into the truth of suffering. Right. Um, and so it's actually like you're kind of I think you tend to describe yourself as, as being around stage four. Right. So. Um, so that's actually just a really great time to be having this stuff coming up. Right. Because. You don't want all of this stuff to hit you as a big surprise right when you have stream entry. That's like a really bad time to, to become conscious of this um, because it can be very disturbing, right? I mean, it is it is the reality of our lives. And uh, so so part of the purification process is just like, I mean, the reason why you have purifications is because things that you've been successfully ignoring all this time, Suddenly your mind is quiet enough that they, you, you can't just ignore them anymore. You actually have to deal with them. And it's, it's a great time to be dealing with them. I mean, I know it's not the funnest thing in the world to be thinking about this stuff, but, um, but this is absolutely the best time to be thinking about it because you're, you're in a place where you've got this meditative stability. So you're okay. Right. You're not like, ah, but, um, but you're, you're, um, you know, you you're, 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 you're you're not so far along that it's actually likely to be a problem that you're having these realizations. So, so it's, it's really good. Basically at some point you're going to, you, you know, you'll have realizations you should, you should have non super mundane realizations into no self, into um, impermanence, into the truth of suffering, all of those things as you're going through the early stages, as you're going through stage four, you should be having these experiences and it's really great that you are having them. Um, I can say from my own experience that I had the same thing happen to me, so it's, you know, I can totally relate. Um, so this is just a really great time to be doing this, and, and you should, you know, I know it's not exactly something to rejoice about, but, but if possible, you should rejoice about this, because it actually is a really good thing to be dealing with right now.
5: Yeah, uh, that's along the lines of what I was, I was, I was thinking um, but yeah, it's not like you said. It's not a great feeling. At least I, I don't know. I mean, at some points maybe there's more acceptance or something coming along with it, or more realization. But yeah, it's not a yeah. not a great feeling to have at the moment.
0: Yeah, I mean, one thing to to uh, maybe do now that you're having this coming up spontaneously is actually like take advantage of some of the teachings on. There's a there's a, a Buddhist. Uh, Tibetan Buddhist uh, meditation called the meditation on on uh, um, becoming accustomed to death, um, <laughs> which sounds really grim, but um, but basically the meditation is all about like just you know because like it's not like anything has changed. This is not something that 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 you know you started meditating and suddenly you're going to die and before you weren't going to die, right? No, that was always going to happen. It's just that now you know it. So um, so what do you do with that? Well, f- first of all. Like, um, you could just get all depressed and, you know, start dying right now, right? Like, I mean, that's really, if you think about it, if you, if you um, start feeling depressed about this fact, what you're doing is experiencing the suffering that this fact would potentially cause now rather than later. It's not like you're not going to experience that suffering later if you're going to experience that suffering, but you have a choice about whether you're going to experience it now. So if you have a choice, you might as well not experience it as suffering, right? Instead, um, uh, one of the things to notice is that part of the reason that it feels like suffering right now is that it's pointing to all of the things that are going on in your life right now that you're not really taking care of. Like all of of the parts of your life where you're not in sync with the fact that you're going to die, where you're not living as if you're going to die, where you're not living as if your loved ones are going to die. And so the, 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 the teaching, you know, I mean, Sergio Rinpoche did a great book on this called the Tibetan Look, book of living and dying. And basically what he says is like, you know, if there's stuff that, that like, it wouldn't be okay with you if like, suppose you were going to die tonight. Is there anything like that you could think of that you'd like to get done before then? Cause it's not like it's tonight. It's not like you can do some big project. That's not going to happen. Right. But You know, if there's somebody that you love and things aren't right between you, well, you have time to do something about that. So do it, right? If there's somebody that you love that you haven't talked to recently, maybe you should talk to them and just, you know, briefly just send them a little note and let them know that you love them, right? You know, if there's somebody that you're buying coffee from at at Starbucks, like, and, and, you know, maybe that person's the one that's going to die tonight. Well, what would you like to be the last thing that you said to them? Say that, (laughs) right? Like every single interaction that you have during the day, just do that, everything. And so suddenly this realization that you're going to die becomes this source of incredible joy because now you're just doing the things that you need to do. Like It's not like anything has changed, but now instead of not doing the things that you need to do, you're doing them. And every one of those things is a joyful thing to do. You know, being kind to those that you love is joyful. Being nice to the person that you're just buying coffee from is joyful. Like, you know, if you see somebody and there's some small thing that you can do for them and it's like, well, should I do that or should I do this other thing? Well, just do the thing. Like, obviously this, this can be carried to an extreme and you can wind up like if you if you if you do this every day and you don't do it sort of, you know, with a recognition of of reality then you could wind up like spending your whole life doing nothing but serving others and 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 making yourself miserable so don't do that but but just just like whenever you see an opportunity remember that you're, that, that this is not la- going to last forever if if there's if the time to do something is now if there's a time to do something now and it makes sense to do it do it don't put it off and and so this can be like just an incredibly beneficial realization even though it's kind of scary
5: that's very helpful thank you (laughs) i i and i I identified with what you were I, i made a realization um with one part you were saying which was i'm experiencing the suffering as if these things these people are gone already when i'm just thinking about it when nothing has happened yet right um which is kind of like the metaphor the second arrow metaphor yes,
0: exactly <laughs>
5: first arrow hurts, and then the thinking about it and suffering f- from it, why did that happen is the second arrow, so i 'm like adding that up but i that wasn 't really enough to stop stop it from happening, just kind of yeah moved over automatically, but um i 'll check out that book that's that sounds very helpful,
0: yeah, I mean took is like kind of a character and 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 is not he's he's when I say he's kind of a character, I don't mean that in an entirely good way. He's there have been some some kind of unfortunate controversies around him, um, but the book itself is very good, and it's a it's a very good uh, explanation of of that practice. So I, you know, just bear that in mind. I mean, I'm not I'm not recommending everything that he says wholeheartedly, but that book is very good.
6: Thanks. Sure. And I was thinking also about the Delphing it's possible to just put a a bell in the beginning of the set so that you know that if that bell rang, the next one is going to ring. Yep. Except if you run out of battery. But this is actually something that uh, I have implemented from the very beginning because so often in the beginning, I was just, you know what, stop it. Don't log anything. Am I sure that I put the right time and and that I press start and that when I press the screen, it's no. That's not what I do anymore. Now it's just, I have the, the phone, I, I have one first bell and then the phone, I put it in the, the other corner of the room. I press run, then I go and sit. <laughs> and if I have a little bit of stress it's in the first minute, is the first bell going to come or not? Nice. And then if, if the first one came, then, then the last one is going to come eventually. Yep.
5: Yeah, that sounds like a good idea.
6: You can also plug it in. <laughs> also
0: yeah and the worst case scenario is the phone catches fire and you'll probably hear that or smell it or feel it.
2: who's next ben you're muted
7: sorry about that is that better
2: yeah
7: i haven't talked for a while so um so uh i'm i'm uh do, you know, sits have been really good. I'm, I'm, um, they're, you know, kind of progressively more enjoyable and getting periods of exclusive attention. And what I'm finding is that when there's something, you know, even if there's sort of something going on in my life, like I'm feeling stressed when I sit down, it just sort of feels like this, this energy that is almost like fuel, you know, in a good way. So it's less sort of distracting, so that's been nice. I'm, um, I've, uh, similar to the last, I, I've been doing the intervals also, and, but after our last, after last week, I, I got rid of them, and I'm, I'm, but that, what that means is that I sort of have to structure the hour a little bit, or figure out exactly how I'm balancing out the different pieces, and so I'm sort of the two things, you know, the, the sort of, you know the kind of zooming in on the sensations in the nose um kind of more focused in versus the whole body breathing kind of stuff and even with the whole body breathing whether that's more of the kind of stuff where you're doing it uh kind of piece by piece or whether whether you're trying to be more holistic about it so i'm kind of playing around with it and trying to figure out the right mix and how to kind of put it together but it's, it's, I mean, just on balance, it's a lot. I mean, I would say over time, you know, it's just more, it's getting more fun and I'm looking forward to the sits more and yeah. So
2: nice.
7: <laughs> I guess with the whole body breathing, I guess I am curious about, and I know what, maybe we had talked about this a few weeks ago, but whether how you find kind of the right balance between the more either sort of intentionally focusing on like your foot and then your hand and, you know, kind of working your way piece by piece, which I guess is helpful, but feels a bit tedious, as opposed to the just sort of sitting back and trying to notice, almost working from your core out, kind of sitting back and noticing where where you're feeling little bits and, you know, pieces of the breath, and there often it's it's sort of closer to the, you know, closer to your center. So I, I don't know what peop, if people have experience and what they find to be helpful, but.
0: Well, I can give you the didactic answer to that, <laughs> if that helps.
7: Um,
0: so uh, bear in mind that, so, I mean, part of the exercise is just increasing the power of the mind, right? And yeah. so. Um, but the actual detail of how you're doing that, and this is the stage five practice now, so in the stage five practice, when you're trying to increase the power of the mind and and you know deal with subtle dullness and so forth um deliberately scoping the intention is an important part of the practice, so you do want to do that if you're if you if you feel like you're doing stage five practice, you do want to deliberately scope the intention and then in stage six, there's actually a different attention scoping exercise and and uh, this is the bit about doing the uh, the the four el- the four elements, uh, you know, going going through the body. And this is not something that I am a super expert in, so I would actually recommend reading the book rather than me trying to give you an explanation of it. But those are the things that. So if you find that you can do the stage six practice, including the four elements practice, and that's working for you and it's giving you exclusivity, then you're doing the right thing. Um, if you find that it's not working that way, then you might wanna do the intentional scoping of attention and even though it's a bit tedious, it, it is tedious, but, but it's, it's, you know, it can be, you, it's, it's also very effective, so, so you know. Um, the other thing though, is when you start feeling like things are tedious, one thing to ask yourself is, what would happen if I just let go? Um, so, go back to the breath, after After you've been doing the whole body body breathing practice and it's been stable, go back to the breath, see if the breath is stable, hang out there for a little bit, and then let go. stop trying to do anything and see if
2: see what happens
7: say, say more like let go and
0: so so basically, this is the transition from stage six to stage seven, right like can you um. When you have the stability of attention on the breath during stage six, how stable is it? <laughs> is it stable enough that you don't have to do anything and it'll stay there? If the answer is yes, then start doing stage seven practices. Helpful, thank you. Yeah, and And don't worry if like at the beginning of the sit, it's not like that, but then later on in the sit it is, that's fine. You know, basically, the other thing that i would say that that came up for me when you were when you first started talking about this is that you know your sit is to some extent a continuum right you shouldn't think of the sit as being like a certain you know amount of time that you chunk up it should just be like a progress from like whatever your state of mind was when you sat down to whatever you can get it to at the end and the more you think of the meditation as having an end the more there's a tendency to relax as you get close to the end and what you really want is to be like you know Like when the bell goes off, you kind of have to collect yourself because you you need to like get back into into the normal mode and not be meditating anymore rather than you've already been doing that. So yeah, so yeah. If If you feel like you can go to the next stage, go to the next stage and just keep doing that until you get to the bell. Thank you,
2: excellent. Yeah, good question. Okay. Who's next? Yep, Martin.
8: Can you hear me okay? Yeah. So, I'm just going to throw out an experience I had and see what you what you have to say about it. So, um. After we talked last week um, for about three four days, um, I had really high mental energy, like unusually high, um, which was really nice because it kind of boosted my sits a lot, um, and I could actually tell subtle dullness setting in. It was very obvious that this like super sharp focused, like uh, high resolution image was kind of blurring out a bit and so my sits were like i had a couple of really good sets where um i basically did the six point preparation and then the four step transition and then just went straight into, state, into uh, state four um and what i was trying to do was um kind of relax into awareness and not effort a lot just um i think uh, in the book it's there's a the phrase kind of look over the horizon like stand back a bit and kind of have a zoomed out um like the uh watching the mind while the mind watches the breath thing so that's what i've been trying to go for in stage four Mm -hmm. um and so that went really really well for, for a number of sets where I had like a really solid, like 15 minutes of just um, being really tuned in into self-talk, not losing the breath from awareness and basically few strong uh, distractions like uh, gross, like really strong gross distractions were not really present. And what happened then, and this has hap- has been happening um, on a regular basis, I would say, is I would kind of lose that zoomed out feeling. It, was, it feels like the, the feeling I had was like sitting in a car and then you step on the brake and it kind of pulls you forward mm-hmm. and you get kind of like pulled into your seatbelt. It felt like I was like getting zoomed in really, really harshly. Mm-hmm. And it kind of like um felt like that stage four territory was kind of like breaking apart. The other thing um I'll say and then I'll shut up is um I'm basically having what you diagnosed as PT, basically every sit now for some reason. Yep. Um which is like there's a lot of like pressure electricity type feelings in the face. Um and I have like this hypothesis that it's somewhat related to the quality of the sit, where it feels like when um, attention is stable and awareness is, is like strong, then PT is also strong. Mm-hmm. And then um, they, they tend to, or it seems to me that they go together. And I was wondering um, yeah, if they actually do or
0: if I'm imagining that you're not imagining it <laughs> they don't always go together they're, they're so but but it does seem to be the case that after you get to the point where you have uh, you're able to maintain stable attention that pt starts to happen more and that it does seem to correlate with the stability of your attention it can also just come up randomly after you've had a pt full meditation you can just be like walking around and suddenly like whoa what was that <laughs> right so so it's not 100% but or, or maybe it is. I mean, maybe you were actually in a very stable attention space when that happened off the cushion as well. Um, what you're describing sounds kind of stage five-ish. Um, not that you're necessarily like have achieved stage five, but, um, but that when you're having the experience you described, that's, that's a little bit of a stage five experience rather than a stage four experience. So, uh, and so it's not really that shocking that you're having PT coming up. Um, And the, uh, the, the transition from like clarity to not clarity, I mean, that's progressive subtle dullness. And the fact that it's happening in a way that's so vivid for you is actually kind of cool because if it's a shock to you, then that gives you an opportunity. As soon as you feel that shock, try to check in on what's like, what's happening like what changed or not even not even necessarily looking for causes but just like is there something going on because the the fact that you have uh, clarity or don't is really coming out of the intentions that are going on in your mind at that moment it's not um it's not a mysterious thing that that, that has to be built up through like a snowball effect or something like that, once you get to stage 10, you can intend to have clarity and have it immediately if, if you're not having it all the time, right? So it's not like you have to you know, get on a bandwagon to have the clarity happen. So when clarity goes away, it's because that intention went away. So why did that intention go away? What dropped? Did you get tired? I mean, it could be that you just got tired of being that clear. It's like there's a part of your mind that doesn't like that clarity. And so it, it wanted the clarity to go away. It could also be that there's something that you are about to see and part of your unconscious mind knows that you're about to see it and doesn't want you to see it. So, so look for like kind of a little bit of aversion or a little bit of like, you know, uh, like just dissatisfaction with, with the clarity and see if you can see if you can identify that feeling and and it's not like you're going to like identify that feeling and then stop doing it right because it's like it's happening in your unconscious mind you can't just stop your unconscious mind from doing it but knowing that it's happening in your unconscious mind and seeing it happening then creates an opportunity where sort of an internal discussion can happen about whether this is actually what you want and what can happen as a result of that sort of internal discussion is like the, the part of your mind that wants to turn away from clarity is like, well, okay, I was, you know, I was putting on the brakes because I was a little alarmed, but everybody else seems to be down with this. So I guess I can stop. And then you might find that the clarity lasts longer. So y- you have to explore this. I can't tell you precisely what to do, but but just see if you can see something like that happening. And, and you know, it could also be a purification coming up.
8: Yeah, I guess like what I was wondering as well is doing stage four practice feels pretty natural to me. It feels like I I kind of get what I'm supposed to be doing. Yep. Like I just resonate with all of these, like standing back a bit and just not efforting too much. Yep. Um, and I was wondering if when this phenomenon happens where that, what you refer to as clarity when that goes away, this, what I describe as being like zoomed out and, and present, mm-hmm. whether that's, um, th- that should uh, prompt me to go back to like stage three practice where it's more focused on um, like checking in and close following um, or whether I should just continue on with stage four and try to get back to the place of clarity
0: Well, so that's actually a really good way to state that, trying to get back to a place of clarity. What would you do to get back to a place of clarity? I don't know. Um, Right. This (laughs) is my point. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever it was that you did that got you to that state of clarity, um, then uh, if that was stage three practices, then sure. Do stage three practices again. I mean, close following is is introduced in stage three, but it's not a stage three only practice. I mean, you can do close following all the way through to stage seven. So it's just that at stage seven, you're close following because you intended to, not because you're like going, okay, I need to close follow, I need to close follow, I need to close follow, right? Or whatever it is you do. so, so yeah. I mean, if 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 it if it feels like like doing those practices, I wouldn't really describe it as going back to stage three. But if it feels like doing those practices is fruitful at this point, then do them and see what happens. Um, but also, do look for that, like, you know, that, that shift in intention because, you know, that's ultimately that's why you fell out of the clarity, right? The, the intention to stay clear dropped for some reason. But, but yeah, I mean, if, 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 if you don't see that, if you, if, if there isn't something that you see to do that gets you back to clarity at that point, then go back to whatever practice it was that got you to clarity in the first place.
8: All right. I'll, I'll try to investigate what happens when, when that shift takes place, I guess mm-hmm. that that should be like informative.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, worst case scenario, you don't find anything and you go back to close following and that's fine too.
8: Yeah, the, the way it feels to me right now is I'm kind of like running out of steam, like mm-hmm. the battery's low.
3: Mm-hmm.
8: Um, okay. As if there's I mean, like a, a reservoir of energy that's drained and then it's like no more high quality meditation. Now it's only like low grade meditation from now on till the end. That's what Okay, it
0: feels. that's actually interesting. So that could be something else that could be that you're actually, the reason you're able to maintain that clarity is because you're working to maintain it. Um, And if you're working to maintain it, then the way to maintain it longer is to do less work. Mm. Right. So not necessarily no work because, you know, what the work you're probably doing is what I was just saying, you know, okay, I'm going to close follow. Okay. I'm going to close follow. Okay. I'm going to close follow. Maybe not, you know, verbally and maybe not so overtly, but basically there's an intention that's being held and renewed continuously and that's keeping you in this state of clarity. So the question is, do you need to renew it continuously or could you renew it less often? Like, like is the intention actually able to hold longer than just as long as you're expecting it to hold? So, so see if you can relax that and stay in that place. And if you can, then you may find that you stay there longer because it's less work to stay there. And ultimately, this process leads to you not really doing any work at all to stay there. Yeah. You just intend to stay there and the intention sustains itself without any work being done.
8: I feel like the, the, the thing that changed for me was in the beginning, it was like really efforting a lot in mm. terms of I need to do this, I need to like yep. do all the steps right. and it's really hard to do. Yes. And now I'm just switching to more of a, I actually don't need to do all this kind of stuff mode yep. and that seems to be really, really fruitful. Yes. So maybe go in that direction even more.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And, and by the way, you know, my experience about PT also is that the more intentional you are, the more you're trying to make the meditation happen, the less PT happens. <laughs> that's just my personal experience. I'm not saying that's general. But, but the, the, more that the, the more that you're able to relax and just let the meditation happen, the more there tends to be PT arising.
8: All right. That's really good. I'll report next week. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Oh, uh, next week I will be on an airplane. Hmm. So possibly somebody, possibly Andrew will be here. But, uh, so so maybe in two weeks you can report to me or in one week you you can report to Andrea. Sounds good. All right. Ken, you look sort of like you might wanna say something.
9: Yeah, sure. Um, it's, uh, it's been a tough week practice-wise. Um, it kind of feels like I've regressed kind of all the way back to the beginning. Um, kind of, I don't know how to describe the practice exactly. Um, yeah, basically, it's just like I sit down and Uh, have a hard time getting to like a two-count or a three-count of the breath. Um, It's, you know, part of me says, oh, this is insanely frustrating. It's a setback. It's negative. And part of me is like, yeah, whatever. Just roll through it. Um, But, uh, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I I don't know if it's something emotional I'm dealing with, some kind of, you know, purification or some of insight I'm fighting or if it's just that I'm completely doing the practice wrong or if it's that I'm trying to use too little effort on on stuff or that I'm not using the right techniques or, you know, and then part of me says none of that matters because, you know, I'm not in control of it and it's just, you know, the subconsciouses are going to do whatever the subconsciouses are going to do <laughs> and I'll see what happens next week. But it's been, it's been kind of messed up and kind of going along with that, off the cushion. um, There's been a lot of kind of negative emotions coming up, sadness, anger sort of persisting through the day. Um, And uh, I've noticed this weird thing with, this maybe kind of ties in, I forget who said this a minute ago about, um, about uh, pity coming up when you're, attention is more focused but I'm finding that even when I'm not meditating if I'm just like sitting in car or lying in bed or something if I just kind of take one or two deep breaths and sort of let my mind open up all of a sudden my hips start shaking it's like I'm doing an Elvis Presley that kind of move and uh, you know I can feel all this you know pity and tingling and stuff on the side of my face you know anytime I want to tune into it but as soon as I freaking sit down on the cushion it's just like one two breaths and then you know fucking mind wandering about bagels and salami and work problems and kids and you name it so
0: if i were freud (laughs) never mind
9: (laughs) yeah Freud wasn't all he was cracked up to be but yeah he was anyway sometimes a cigar is just a cigar but anyways
0: so um, a couple of things to say about that. Um, I think there's there's a lot of things to explore there. Um, first of all, obviously something's going something's right about your practice, or you wouldn't be having those experiences in the car, right? You're you're the problem is not that you've lost the ability to have st- stable attention. <laughs> I beg to differ with you. <laughs> no, the problem is that there's something that's more important going on right now, right? Or something that's more maybe is the wrong word, but something that's more um, pressing, right? And so, yeah, I mean, it, this, sounds like a, this sounds like a purification to me. Um, you know, all of the things that you've described are classic symptoms of a purification. You, know, you try to sit down and have your normal meditation and instead you get pushed off into this thing that you didn't wanna do and distractions are coming up. And so the distractions can either be in the form of the thing that's bothering you coming to the foreground or they can be the thing that's bothering you, throwing up chaff so that you don't get it to the foreground. And you know the bagels and and sausages thing sounds like that, right? It's like you know Freud aside, it just sounds like you know you're you're there's this sub-mind that really doesn't want to be talking, really doesn't want to be seen, throwing up chaff so that it won't be seen.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, uh, you know, and and you know, by the way, I mean, you know, full disclosure here if you can get that sub to the point where it's seen, that might be challenging. Like there might be something there that's like really challenging and that, you know, you might actually want to like talk to somebody about, but leaving that aside for the moment, I'm just putting that out there. So, you know, if, if you follow some subsequent advice that I give you about this and, and suddenly everything blows up in your face, go get help. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, but the other thing is like, You know, you know what's going to happen when you sit down right now, right? I mean, there's, (laughs) the way you're talking about it, this has been going on for a while. It's not a surprise to you. You sit down and this stuff just starts happening immediately. So, okay. um, What? what can you do to, to shift what's happening in your, in your meditation? And the first thing that you can do is you can just gently ask, because you know that there is a subline there that's like, you know, uncomfortable and, you know, or call it a subline, call it a, a hunk of conditioning, whatever you want to call it. There's a piece of conditioning there that um, is coming up now. If things get still, that piece of conditioning comes up. That's why you're experiencing the shakes in the car when you take a couple of deep breaths. You know, that's why you're experiencing the strong emotions. It's because that thing is near the surface. And so ideally what you want to have happen in in your meditation practice is like don't try to either just give up or try to force it. Do the, do the third thing, which is try to encourage that sub mind to just come up like It's a a distraction, right? It's it's just, it's a distraction. Tell it it's okay to come up. See if it, just invite it to come up. See if it comes up. It might come up, it might not. You don't, you're not going to know until you try that. But clearly there's something there that needs to come up, right? So, so let it come up. See if you can let it come up. And then, um, so that's the first thing. It's just very, you know, like, like letting go of this, this, you know, trying to force things to happen, just let it come up. Um, the other thing is, uh, as far as your dialogue about, uh, you know, there not being any control and the sub are just going to do what the sub are going to do, bear in mind that there's a sub that's having that dialogue. And that sub-mind is part of the decision-making process. So don't, there, there's this tendency when we, when we recognize, uh, I, I was on this hobby horse for a couple of months about agency versus the illusion of agency versus the illusion of non agency. I might have even brought it up here, I don't know. But we go through our lives thinking that we have total agency, right? We think that we have control. And at some point we realize, oh shit, I don't have control. And like, really, I don't have control. And because who is it that has control? Um, and then at that point there's a tendency to go all the way over to the other side, and that's the illusion of non agency which is, since I don't have control, there is no control. There is no control process, there is no control mechanism. Everything is just like flailing out of control, spinning in whatever direction it's gonna spin, etc. That's the illusion of non-agency. So the extreme of the illusion of non-agency is that, is that the sub-mind that recognizes non-agency stops trying to do anything, and or actually sub-minds really, right? So all of those sub-minds that have this wisdom about agency suddenly bow out of the process. They're not doing anything anymore because we don't have agency, right? Well, that's actually also wrong. Um, What's true is that on a collective level, your mind doesn't have agency. There is no part of your mind that can make decisions for your mind. Decisions do happen in your mind. so. So when you're, um, when you're having that dialogue with yourself about, well, I might as well just let go because there is no agency anyway. Eh. <laughs> Wrong, <laughs> that's not true. So it's, it, you, it, it's just that agency isn't what you thought it was. So, so. Yeah, I can,
9: I can get on board with that. I,
0: yeah, so just pretend that you have agency even though you know that you don't and, and things might go better. See what happens. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Th- that's just a heuristic. I mean, that's just a way of dealing with the problem. I mean, ultimately, at some point, hopefully you'll see through the illusion of not agency in a very clear way, and then you won't need to fake it anymore. But for now, you can just fake it by pretending that you have agency, even though you know you don't.
9: Yeah. I don't know. I mean, half the time, I certainly feel like I have agency, feel like right. I'm a normal person, but intellectually, it's... Yeah. Uh,
0: that's, that's the, that's when it bites you. <laughs> it's this intellectual beliefs that, that, uh, well, you know, intellectually I know X, therefore there's no point yeah. in doing Y, <laughs>
5: yeah. so, yeah. If I can jump in a little bit, maybe, I was actually reading, um, I've been reading uh, Pima Chodron.
0: Oh yeah, no, that's a good uh, quote from her.
5: I, I don't know. I don't believe that quote was for, from her. I just posted one. I just saw it on the forum the other day. But she's talking about some stuff similar to this in the book I have called "The Places That Scare You," and it's about leaning into fear. Yep. Um, and she talks. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. Um, in one part about meditation, uh, and she has some really great uh, quotes about what meditation is and stuff like that. I can go into that later. But um, for Ken, um, she's talking about experiencing our emotional distress. And the way she talks about it is similar to what you're saying, Ted, um, that there's an energy. It's not exactly what um, Tuladasa says, but she says there's an energy to the emotions, not necessarily with the thoughts that are coming, uh, that are the story we're telling each other, storytelling ourselves. Um, so she says experiencing our emotional distress. Um, and what was the, something that I wanted to reach to you guys. Um, uh, living the energy of our, welcome the living energy of our emotions. When our emotions intensify, what we usually feel is fear. This fear is always lurking in our lives. In sitting meditation, we practice dropping whatever story we are telling ourselves and leaning into the emotions and the fear. Thus, we train in opening the fearful heart to the restlessness of our own energy. We learn to abide with this the experience of our emotional distress. So it's just one little part, but she's she's really talking about whatever's happening in meditation. She's really like not trying to fix anything, just accepting yep. every single thing that's there.
3: Yeah,
0: she she's done a number of uh, audio books. I'm not sure if there's an audio book of that one, but um, I think there was a later book that she did that was a retreat from, from her. She did a retreat in uh, Nova Scotia and they had a recording of the whole retreat and they basically turned it into a book. And so the audiobook is just the recording of the retreat. And that is a wonderful thing to listen to. Andrea and I listened to it in the car on the way on a long road trip a while back. And it was just like so, she is so great. So I highly recommend, Ken, if you, if you, you know, I think Mike's advice is, is, is great here. Um, you know, if, if you're into audiobooks at all, like if you, if you listen to something yeah. while you're exercising or whatever, Get a copy of that and listen to it because Pema Trudern is just like so fabulous and in this particular way. She's really good with this stuff.
9: Sounds interesting, I'll definitely look it up.
0: Yeah. yeah By the this, way, this, I have a question for you, Ken. How aware are you of the emotions that you're feeling right now?
9: Um, before you ask me that question, Nil because I wasn't paying attention right now. I don't feel a lot of emotion. There's maybe a, like a two out of 10
0: of sadness, kind of sitting in the chest somewhere. Um, The reason I ask is because looking at your face, as you were listening to that advice, it appeared as if you were experiencing strong emotions, which is really interesting. So, so there there might be something going on under this, really going on under the surface that you can, you know, if you can if you can access it, could be very powerful.
9: Or, yeah, you know, one, one of the things that I've been kind of struggling with in my sits is figuring out what emotion actually is
3: mm-hmm.
9: versus what physical manifestations they have, mm-hmm. because what and this has been sort of an ongoing thing, not just in the last week or two, but a lot of times when I said I'll have something come up, that's just like my whole body just like tenses up into a silent scream, kind of yep. for, for want of a better word. Yeah. And it's like 95% physical. It's just tension and squeezing and the jaw, you know, making a yeah. mimicking or whatever. And there's some little, something goes on that says, yeah, I know this is an emotion, it's anger or it's sadness or it's whatever. But then it's like, but how do I even know that? Because I hardly feel anything. It's like almost all physical, but there's a part of me that says, yeah, that physical thing is either a reflection of the emotion or tied to the emotion or should be deeper connected to it. So it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling more and more, lost as to what, you know, emotion actually is and feels like. Yeah.
0: So, um, I can't remember, do you, did, did you do the finders course? No, no. Okay. The reason I ask is, uh, you might actually find it interesting to read Jeffrey's paper and I can send you the link to it if you want. Um, cause the, the experience that you're describing is very similar to what somebody in location four on his continuum would experience, which is, um, emotions come up. And they can even affect your behavior, but you don't feel them. Um, and somebody in location four might even deny that they have emotions uh, because they're not feeling them. And so, uh, and this is not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just what's going on right now. the The fact is that emotions are very powerful, and there's a tendency to defend yourself from them. And so. You know, this, this thing that you're having, this, is, this all ties in with like you sit down and you go to have a calm mind and immediately, you know, distractions come up. They're, 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 you, you've gotten to the point where you're, where you're about ready to peel off that cover. And the emotions are, um, clearly there are some strong emotions under that cover. And when you peel it off, that's going to be an experience. Um,
9: Looking forward to
0: it. Already <laughs> on, yeah. So, but you know, to, to talk about this on sort of a sort of a brain structure level, there is a part, there's a place in your brain where emotions are, and I'm not an expert on brain structure, so I'm basically just paraphrasing something that Chula Dasa said to me. There's a place in your brain where 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 emotions are processed, and this part of your brain exists um, pretty much independent of intellect. Um, and it functions independent of intellect. And so it doesn't shut off when, like, so when somebody goes through the stages of awakening, for example, and gets to the point where the second arrow no longer hits them, that part of the brain doesn't shut off. But what can happen is that there can be a protective mechanism that comes into place where that part of the brain is functioning, but it's not registering in consciousness. And so you're not feeling the emotion but the emotion is still there. It's still physically present and it's exactly the way you describe it. It's happening. It feels like it's happening in the body, but it's not happening in the mind. And so this is a, this is a thing like Judith Blackstone talks about this. You might find Judith Blackstone's stuff useful as well. Uh, reconnecting with the body after, after you've gotten to a certain stage in your practice in the head, uh, can be very powerful. And so, um, And, and if you don't do it, then, then you basically are only halfway done. So, uh, so you, you know, my recollection is that you were actually getting pretty deeply into your practice a couple of months ago. And so all of this stuff kind of connects with what Judith Blackstone sort of criticizes as the problem with, with our form of meditation practice, which is that it's very cerebral and there's a tendency to get into this place where you're just in your head and, you need to reconnect with your body because your body is part of you too. So Mm. yeah, I I would, I would, you know, think about Pamachodra and think about Judith Blackstone. I find Judith Blackstone kind of annoying sometimes because she tells me to do things in meditation that I have no idea how to do, but see if you can get past that if that happens for you as well. Cause like it's what she talks about is very useful.
9: Mm. Uh Aside from the,
0: you know, like she she'll sit down in front of a, in front of an audience and basically like, I don't know if you studied yoga at all, but it's like, okay, do an unsupported headstand now. All right. Now as, as if you were just going to be able to do that. Well, I don't know how to do an it unsupported. It's the same thing. She's telling me to do something I have no clue how to do, but, but her theory is very good. And I think that if you, if you listen to her and, and try to connect with what she's saying, it might be helpful, but also just, you know, invite the part of your mind up that's, starting to be ready to be heard. Yeah. And, and by the way, if you, if you invite it up and things get really intense, you don't have to just sit there and write and it out. You're allowed to stop. Yeah. So, so there, don't feel like you have to just sit there on the <laughs> cushion for an hour if that's what you're, when your timer is gonna go off when something really hard is happening. I mean, it's, if, if you can, it's great, but don't, don't force yourself if it seems like it's too much.
9: Yeah, you no, know, hasn't gotten to that point yet, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, yeah, it's been a interesting and kind of challenging experience. So,
6: yeah. All right. You know, Does you know what you should do? KM, you should uh, go on SoundCloud and pick up the meditation from Dasa, the sit, breathe, wake up and you should do. I think it's number five or six. And this meditation that it it does, it starts with like maybe 15 minutes of, uh, it almost feels like he's encouraging you. It's like, doesn't it feel good to be here? Like this is the perfect moment to meditate. There's There's no better thing to do right now. And it's so good to be with all of these people right now. I mean, can't you think of a better setting to meditate right now? This feels so good. And before even jumping into the, the four step uh, preparation, it just tells you just reflect on, on how, on the positive aspects of your experience right now. And it brings all these things into the picture that before I listened to that meditation, I was really squared. I come, do my six uh, step preparation, four points zooming out from in, then I start. I started all my all my schedule of my meditation, and uh, in the end, it felt really stressful because if I missed a step, there was something wrong. And when I listened to that meditation, it well, was actually for a, a break at work for lunch. I decided I was a little bit tired, I was like, Ah, I'm not gonna eat. I'm gonna go and uh, we have some beds at work, so I'm, I'm gonna go on the bed and, and do one of these meditations that I've never done. I was mind blown. I was like, whoa, this is so much more chill than what I do. And it really brought a lot of, um, of it lowered my anxiety about not being able to meditate every second and, and be at my 100% every second. I think you should really do this because it's uh, okay. it's, really, it's tension relieving.
9: Oops. Yeah, I, I, I know this series you're talking about, but I don't think I've listened to that one in particular yet, so. I'll, I'll look it up for sure. Thanks.
6: Ted made me think about this when he said, you can also stand up and stop meditating for two minutes. It's, it's fine. There's no one with a gun pointing at you.
9: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thanks.
0: So, uh, we're getting up to an hour and a half. Does anybody have anything, any last questions? Santi, did you want to say, say anything? No. All right.
1: Good. Quick question, Ted. Did, did, you, did you say that somebody indexed the das's questions and answers? That they you said that I thought you said somebody you know puts the you know what topics are at what times and.
0: Yeah. So so somebody does that on Reddit. If you go to the Mind uh, Illuminated subreddit, there you'll find links. You don't have to be a Reddit member to go there. So.
1: Uh, yeah. Okay. thanks. Yeah.
0: Um, do you know how to find it? Uh, well, I know where,
1: I know where it's at on Reddit, but I've never seen that. So I've never seen.
0: Yeah. Um, that. I'll see if it's easy to find. If it's not, I'll, I'll try and add some links because it's definitely useful. Um, yeah,
1: yeah. it's definitely one. I've been meaning to ask you about this for quite a while. So thank you.
0: Yeah. Now uh Ken before we close I wanted to ask you is it okay to put this stuff on a podcast if I finally get around to setting up a podcast or would you rather I deleted that conversation
5: No that's
3: I'm okay
0: You're a brave man <laughs> All right well thanks everybody it's been great um and I will I guess not see you next weekend but the weekend after
6: Thank you.
8: Yep. Okay. But the meetup is still happening next week.
6: Yes. Yeah. All right. Oh, by the way, yeah. I didn't receive the mail. I know I, I screwed re- up. I received the mail on Sunday, last Sunday. Yeah. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Oh, I received the mail saying oh, meditation is happening tomorrow.
0: I really need to get the automation on this thing working better. Sorry about that. No worries. Anyway, great that's seeing that's you good. guys. Uh, see, you, see you soon. Take care. Bye.
2: Okay.